You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right, Serve Day 2021 was a huge success, you guys. We had 75 uh, people serving in our community at three different locations. We were at um, uh, Bangor West Elementary, Garber High School, Greenhouse, and Oak Ridge Cemetery uh, in conjunction with the Bay City Parks. And we had two visionary leaders who helped to lead this whole thing out. That's Laura Arnold and Sarah Schaefer. They are amazing. And we also had uh, three site leaders this year, and Hannah Wickman, Amy Bricker, and Molly Ledesma, who absolutely did an amazing job. We are so proud of our uh, all-gal team there who are just doing an amazing job here at Radiant Church. So grateful for all of you who served. And um, hey, if you have not participated in Serve Day, you guys, you got to get on board it's awesome. It's a great way to meet new people and serve your community. And this is what we should be doing, right? This is, we are the light, right? We are a light in a dark city. And this is what God has called each of his disciples to do. And so I'm so honored to be the pastor of this church and just to be a part of this body. Honestly, just to serve yesterday was a huge honor. So thank you to all of you who served. And we can't wait to do it next year again. Well, today we are in part four of our sermon series. This is our summer sermon series known as Kingdom Manifesto. And what we are doing is we are looking at the eight Beatitudes of Jesus. These are sort of the entry, the front door into Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And really, these are eight different character or qualities that describe or identify true followers of Jesus Christ. Now, these are like eight uh, blessings, eight pronouncement of blessings. But when you read these, it's really interesting because as we go through these, and, and you're, you're discovering this, they seem to be the exact opposite of what our world would tell us is a blessing. I mean, Jesus' kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. And so these blessings are, are, to most of us, I think, kind of shocking to read And we've already addressed three of them, and today marks the halfway point of our message series. And we're going to just dive right in, and we're going to look at um, the first uh, six verses of Matthew chapter 5. And um, and then we're going to camp out on the Beatitude for today. Right after that, we'll pray, and then we'll continue on with our message. message. So let's look at Matthew 5, verses 1 uh, 1 through 6 together. Here's what it says. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, here's week number one, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse number four, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. That was week number two of our series. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. And then finally in verse number six, the beatitude for today. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. 
That's the beatitude that we will look at today. Hey, let's take a moment. Let's just pray together and let's ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to open up his word, to feed us the word of God that we might uh, be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you. And we just celebrate, God. Um, we do celebrate Serve Day. What a, what a great opportunity to be light. What a great way to show Jesus uh, to people who would otherwise not see Jesus. And God, we thank you for all of our leaders. We thank you for every single volunteer. We thank you for all the behind the scenes of work that went into it, Lord. We are so grateful to be a part of what you're doing here in this community. God, now, as we open up your word, would you just um, open blind eyes and would you unlock deaf ears and would you awaken faith in our hearts, God? And we pray as we just saw in verse number six, that we might hunger and thirst for righteousness. God, that's our prayer today. It can only happen through the Spirit's power. So we pray, come, Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Well, I think most of us um, know, I think, I think most of us do know what it's like to go on a diet. Anybody know what it's like to go on a diet, right? Come on, raise your hand. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. That's me included. Most of us know what it means to, to go on a diet, what it, what it feels like. And uh, maybe you were just trying to, um, ladies, you were just trying to, to get into that dress for that, you know, that wedding you were going to. Or, or, or gentlemen, maybe you, you went to the doctor and they were like, hey, you need to lose a few pounds. Like you, you have a little bit too much weight down there, if you know what I mean. And this will be healthier if you can just drop a few pounds. So whether it's keto, whether it's paleo or South Beach diet or Weight Watchers, whatever it is, whatever your thing is, I think a lot of us know what it's like to go on a, on a diet where we are restricted of what we can eat. And I think what, what makes a diet especially difficult or I should say it like this because I'll be corrected, a lifestyle change, I mean. Uh, what makes it so incredibly difficult is that um, we are introduced to all these new foods, right? You're, you're eating green, you're eating raw, you're eating organic. And can I just, for the record, can I just say at first, it's incredibly boring. It's bland. It's unsatisfying. All right? I'm just going to say that. And uh, it's so hard to get used to that. Because why? Because most of us, we're craving three things. Sugar. Come on, somebody, right? Sugar. Salt. Love me the McDonald's french fries. And fat. Sugar, salt, and fat. In fact, in fact the whole food industry is, is, is revolves around these three items, okay? My wife and I read this book a while ago. It's called Sugar, Salt, and Fat, and it's all about the food industry, how they've capitalized on our addictions. And so we are addicted to sugar and salt and fat, and that's why we're addicted to the foods that are absolutely horrible for us, and they taste so good, right? But they're so bad for us, and when we try to introduce new foods, it's so incredibly difficult until, and if you, you know if you've been successful on one of these diets, until that day comes where you start getting used to the cucumbers. You get used to the carrots. You get used to the lettuce wraps. And all of a sudden you go back and you partake of that cheeseburger or maybe it's a candy bar or what, a donut, whatever it is. And you're like, you know what? That's not that good. Like, 
That's not that satisfying. Why? Because you've developed a craving and a hunger for new foods. Amen, right? New foods. Psalm 34, I bet you didn't know you were going to hear about a diet here, right? I'm inspiring some of you today, maybe, maybe perhaps. Psalm 34 says this. David says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I love that because David is giving an invitation to what? To experiencing God, just like food, to, to come and partake of the ways of God, of who God is. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's incredible. And here's the thing. The idea is this, is that when we experience the goodness of God, there is an appetite change. Amen? There's an appetite change that at one time we used to crave all the junk food. In other words, the sin and the rebellion and the disobedience. That's what we craved. And I know we still have temptations. All of us deal with that, including myself. I'm not exempt from that. I get that, right? But there's a new appetite that comes into play when we experience the goodness of God. Now we have a new hunger for new things like what? Like church, like community, like worship music. We, we hated worship music in the past, and now that's all we listen to, right? We, we, we crave the word of God. We love reading the Bible. And sure, it doesn't mean that we understand everything because we're always growing. We're learning. But guess what? We actually have a desire to read the Bible. And this is my prayer for today. My prayer is for that some of you, all of you, myself included, if I can be honest, is that there would be a new spark, a new, a new appetite, a new hunger for the things of God this morning. And for some of you, maybe you, you walked in here, and if you were honest, and you don't have to raise your hand, so don't worry, but if you were honest, you would say, you know, Marco, <laughs> my spiritual appetite is, it's non-existent. It's dull. It, it doesn't exist. Like, I don't, I don't crave any of this. In fact, I came to church because someone kind of promised me lunch. That's why I'm here. Hey, that's awesome. We're so glad that you're here. My prayer for you is you would take that next step, though, in following Jesus, following Jesus and letting him, what, give you a new appetite, and, uh, give you a new hunger for the things of God. Jesus says it again, verse number six. Let's put that on the screen. Blessed are those, you're blessed, you're happy, you're fortunate are those if you hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? For they will be filled. In the New Marco translation, it says this, happiness begins when you develop a hunger for the things of God because then you will be satisfied. Right? Happiness begins. If you want to be happy in life, Hunger for the things of God. If you want to be happy in life, start living a holy life. Then you'll be truly happy. If you want a happy life, you're going to pursue righteousness. That's what Jesus is essentially saying to us this morning. I know that our world, our culture says everything the opposite. Our world says, if it feels right, do it. If it feels good, partake in it. Right? That's what our world is saying. It doesn't matter what God's word says. How do you feel about it? Well, I feel like I kind of like to do that. I kind of like to be with her. I kind of like, I want kind of, ladies might say, I, I kind of want to call him at two in the morning. That's your flesh. That's, but Jesus says, no, 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 no. Live and pursue and hunger for righteousness, and then you will be filled. You know, when we're, when we're physically hungry, hungry um, we'll do whatever it takes, right, to satisfy our hunger. 
I mean, <laughs> amen, amen. I like that. That was like a deep amen. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Um, <laughs> like we're gonna we're gonna pull into that fast food. We're gonna we're gonna stop at 7-Eleven. We're gonna we're gonna get that taquito. Right? Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. Don't pretend like you're that holy. All right. And um, we're gonna get whatever it takes to satisfy our hunger. In fact, um, I told the story to to some friends of ours that we had over our house just a few nights ago. They're, they're um, some friends of ours from the church here. Some dear friends of ours. And we were just laughing and enjoying each other's company. And I told them about um, the time where Carrie, my wife, was, was first pregnant with, um, with our daughter, Ariana. And we were driving around in Grand Rapids. It was just casual. It was like, where do you want to go to lunch? I don't know, babe. Where do you want to go? I don't know, love. Where do you want to go? I don't know, sweetheart. Where do you want to go? I don't know. I mean, we were just preferring each other. We were just honoring one another in the Lord. So beautiful. Just honoring the vows that we first made. And... Uh, <laughs> And all was good, right? Until there was a, like, something happened with my wife. Like the switch, there was a flip. And something changed. And all of a sudden she says, I don't care where we go. Just pull over and give me some food. I was like, whoa. I was like, like we're pulling into hot and now or hot, whatever. Whatever fast food. I, don't even, I can't even remember what it was called, right? Why? Because the girl was hungry. At first, it was all cutesy. It was like, where do you want to go? No, where do you want to go? No, where do you want to go? No, you first. No, you first. Then she just was like, that's enough of that. Get the girl some food. Give me a cheeseburger and some mozzarella sticks right now. Make it happen, husband. And I was like, yes, ma'am, right? Husbands, we know what that's all about, right? Here's the idea. When we're spiritually hungry, though, we want more of God and the things of God <laughs> because we're passionate about our relationship with him, okay? When we're spiritually hungry, we want more of God and the things of God because we're passionate about our relationship with him. Here's what I want to do now. I, wanna, I want to define righteousness for us because it's a bit of a, um, there's a little bit of theological jargon here. I want to give a little context, a little bit of background so we understand theologically what, righteousness is because I think it's, we don't use that word do we? we we just don't we don't use that word what exactly is Jesus talking about let's dive in just a bit further I have a formal definition one bible dictionary says this righteousness is the quality or condition of being in right relationship with God living out the relationship with God in right relationships with other persons Okay, so not only are we in right relationship with God, which, by the way, is only possible through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Amen? That's the, only may, that's the only way that we're made right. But it goes a, a step further. It, it goes out into the way that we live out our relationships with other people all around us, whether those people are Christians, whether they're Muslims, whether they're Hindu, that we would live out our lives righteously among them so that we could see more of the righteousness of God bear or his rule, his reign bear on our world as it is in heaven. Amen, right? So we're bringing that kingdom. We're helping to usher in the kingdom of God. So let me just give you some examples. Serve day. Serve, serve day is a way, is one example of us living out righteously in our world. We're bearing the rule and reign of Christ in our community. Amen. 
You want to end sex trafficking. That's another, that's another cause that we get behind of. Jesus calls these individuals the least of these in Matthew 25. That's the poor, the naked, right? Those who are in prison. When we have a heart to feed the poor, to clothe them, that's part of living out our righteousness in the world. When we want to end uh, abortion, that's part of living out the righteousness of God. When we want to rescue children from dire situations, I think that's, that's, that's righteousness being lived out. We want to speak up for the marginalized. That's also the righteousness of God, living that out in community, in our world. You know, I've been reading this book kind of along, as I've been studying for the Beatitudes, I've been I'm reading this uh, a book on Hoopla, um, Hoopla Digital, and it's uh, by John Stott. And John Stott was a famous British, British um pastor and theologian, absolutely brilliant man of God. He's gone away to be with the Lord now, but extremely influential on the evangelical crowd. And John Stott actually says that there are three aspects of righteousness, and I want to give those to you right now. There's three aspects of righteousness. Number one, legal. Number two, moral righteousness. And number three, social righteousness. Now, let me explain what those are to you very quickly. John Stott says, first, there's legal righteousness. What does that mean? Well, that means simply being in legal, right relationship with God. There's a legal aspect of that. That is what the Apostle Paul calls what? Justification. That means that we have right relationship with God, that we can be in communion with God, not because of anything that we have done, because we all have sinned, but because of what Jesus has done, right? There's a legal standing made right with God. Number two, it's, it's, it's this moral righteousness. What does that mean? Well, that means inner righteousness in our heart, in our mind, and our motives, that we should crave to live righteously. Again, our heart, our mind, and our motives, we live a righteous life. That's like holiness, right? The things of God. And then finally, social righteousness. Again, I explained that earlier. What does that mean? That means that you're, it's just social. It's your relationships with other people, bearing the kingdom of God here on the earth. We should crave, we should long for, to see what? To see more righteousness in our world. How many want to see more righteousness in the United States of America? I do. I do. I honestly do. Yes. I don't want to see more wickedness and rebellion and disobedience and murders and shootings and people ripping each other to shreds. That's absolutely horrible. None of us want that. We should want to see what? Righteousness lived out in relationship with one another. Now, let me just say this one more thing. Why do we need the righteousness of God? Well, again, it's the idea that Christ has this holy, or God has a holy standard, and we have not met that standard. And the idea is that no matter what we do, we'll never measure up to that standard. Because why? Because God is absolute perfection, moral purity. He's absolutely holy. So we, we, we'll never get there on our own. Now, we can try to work for it, but it just it won't happen, right? We will always fall short. Why? Because of sin. And because of our ancestors, Adam and Eve, we have inherited that transgression. So now guess what? All of us have sinned. All of us are sinners until our, 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 our identity. We're sinners until what? Until we come into right relationship with God through Jesus. And we say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And now I'm trusting in the work that you did on my behalf. Right? And then what? 
we're in good standing with God. So we need the righteousness of God. In fact, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we become the righteousness of God, right? He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. There's a, one more term. It's important. It's called imputed, that the righteousness of God is imputed on us. It's given to us. It's, in fact, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, you can read it yourself. Paul says that we have a righteousness not of our own, not that comes from the observance of the law, but that comes through faith in Christ. We have a right, you, you are righteous. If we're in Christ, we have the righteousness of God. That's good news, isn't it? That's amazing, right? And so we're called to live out that righteousness. So back to what Jesus says in the Beatitudes, um, this idea of pursuing righteousness, um, that is not an idea that's foreign to the scriptures. It's pretty common, actually. And so I just want to show you a few examples of individuals, Old Testament characters, pursuing the righteousness of God. Job, Job 23, verse 12. Job says this, I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. Isn't that good? If you know anything about Job, you know that Job suffered a great deal. Job suffered immensely. And Job even had a chance to curse God, to turn his back on God. And what does Job do? He doesn't do that. He says, though he slay me, I will love him. I will follow him. I will be devoted to him. Job continues to say, even in the midst of the suffering, God, your words, they're like they're, 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 I treasure them more than my daily bread. Wow. That's, that's amazing, right? Wow. What an example Job was for all of us. Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2, David David was a, was a great warrior, but he was also a great poet. David says this, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And then he says this, When can I go and meet with God? I love that. That's every worship leader's dream to hear someone say, Can we get one more song? Can we just worship a little bit longer? Sometimes I hear this, How long is worship? You're asking the wrong question. How long is the message? Is this message over yet, Pastor Michael? You're asking the wrong question again, right? You're probably not craving righteousness, if I can just be honest with you, right? Psalm 63, again, verse 1. You, God, are my God. It's a personal thing. I love that. Earnestly I seek you. Here's that language again. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing, this hunger, this thirst. And then Jeremiah 15, 16, Jeremiah says this, when your words came, I ate them. Again, it's a metaphor of like eating food, right? It's consuming food. That metaphor is used throughout scripture, by the way. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. Jeremiah says, man, when your words came, I ate them, right? And, and man, that, the, we just saw these incredible examples. Jesus actually tells us, and, and I, don't have that, um, I don't have that verse up for you, but it is, I think it's Matthew chapter 4. You can check me if I'm wrong. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus, when tempted by Satan, what does he say? He says this, man cannot live on bread alone. Okay, I need more than bologna sandwiches to get me by, right? 
Man cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is why in culture right now, people are starving. It's not because they haven't partaken of all the rebelliousness, of all the sin, of all the disobedience, of all the cravings of the flesh, of all everything they could, they could set their eyes on, you know, they'll have. It's because they're lacking the word of God. That's why they're so hungry. That's why they're, they're seeking something out. And we've seen these amazing examples. But can I just tell you, um, can I just tell you, I think that in the, in, in the Western church, um, if I can be honest, our, our hunger for righteousness, if we had a scale from 1 to 10, you know, 1 being it's non-existent, 10 being like it's just we're red hot for Jesus, I think the American church is probably around a 5. Okay, maybe around a 4. Oh, maybe a 3 actually. I don't know. On a good day, though, it's a 5. On a bad day, it's, it's a 3. We're not really hungering, thirsting for the things of God. And, and I'm not saying that as a, as a means of condemnation, okay? I'm not, I'm not, so hear my heart. But I am saying it as a means of observation, okay? How long is service? I don't want to go to that church if it's over an hour long. Do you? No, I don't want to go to that. What, what, what is that saying about us craving the things of God, right? What is that saying? Do you really read your Bible every day? I mean, I just like, we don't feel like it's really necessary. Right? We're, instead of asking those types of questions, instead of asking the questions of how much more of God can I get, you know, as a pastor, here, here's what I do often hear. Unfortunately, I hear this. <laughs> Marco, how close can I get and it not be sin still? You're asking the wrong question. That's, you're missing the point. Marco, do we really have to follow the sexual ethic of the New Testament? I mean, that's antiquated, right? That's like nobody does that, right? Like, I mean, you're, you're not expecting me to do that, right? Like, you mean I can't have sex with anyone I want to? Like, why does God care who I sleep with, right? And no, he cares, right? He cares, right? And we're asking the right or the wrong questions I think could it be church that are could it be that we have misplaced appetites misplaced appetites instead of hungering and thirsting for righteousness what are we hungry for what are we craving um well we're craving fame just go on Instagram reels <laughs> we're, we're craving money and, I, and, and listen, we all like money. I like it too. You like it. Don't lie. Okay. I get that. But we're craving money. Love. We want to be loved. We, we're looking for it in the wrong place, but we want to be loved. We do. We want to be accepted. We want significance. You want that. I want that too. We're craving for comfort. We're craving the need to belong. We all want that. That's, that's a real craving. That's part of the human condition is we want to belong. Right? Perhaps dissatisfied Christians hunger for all the wrong things. And so what happens is that we try to, we try to satisfy those hungers with the wrong things. Sex, entertainment, pleasure, adventure seeking, the next endorphin rush, or you know what I mean, whatever, the next high, whatever it is that we might 
pursue. But are we hungering for righteousness? Are we thirsty for holiness? Are we wanting the things of God in our lives? Because the idea is, is that we should want righteousness within ourselves. Again, within our heart, within our mind, and on our motives. We should hunger for that. We should thirst for that. But I think, but even more so, we should also want it in, in, in the world again. We should want it in the world, but more so we should want it within ourselves. Living out righteousness. I'll, let me say it like this, that we need to be concerned about the evils within our heart as much as we are concerned about the evils outside of us, right? I fall short of that. I know I do. We need to be concerned about the evils within our own heart as much as we are concerned about the evils outside of us. I am not saying not be concerned. Absolutely not. That is not my message. Be concerned. It's okay. Be not, Be aware. Absolutely. Yes, be aware of what's going on, of the evils in our world, what's taking place. I'm not saying uh, be naive to all of it. Just, you know, plug your ears. But we need to make sure that we're also pursuing righteousness just within our own selves. Why? Because if we were to all address the evil things within our own hearts first, that might help to take care or bring a solution to the evils that we see outside. Amen? Right? So if Jesus says that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled, here's what we can also assume. We can also assume this, that unrighteousness leads to chronic dissatisfaction. Okay, write that down. Or don't write it down. <laughs> unrighteousness leads to chronic dissatisfaction, right? That rebellion and sin and disobedience leads to what? To death and destruction, right? To death and destruction. Even, even the little sins that we let get out of control in our lives eventually begin to affect our relationship with Christ. They, they just do because all sin separates us from God. But the idea is, the fact of the matter is that sin never satisfies Living contrary to the will of God outlined in Scripture does not bring us fulfillment. I don't care how much you justify it. Well, here's the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm 55 years old now, Pastor Marco, so I can kind of do that now. No, you cannot. Now, here's the thing, Marco. I've been married before. I don't care, right? No matter how much we justify it, it will never satisfy us. I've heard it said like this, sin always overpromises, but under delivers. Sin always overpromises and under delivers. You see, sin makes promises that it simply cannot keep. And it's like this idea, it's like the idea that I told you earlier. It's the sugar, it's the salt, it's the fat. I mean, we crave it, we love it, and then we take of it. And yes, it satisfies for a little bit, but the idea is it doesn't really satisfy. It never brings us lasting fulfillment. And here's what I want to do. I want to read to you a couple sections of Scripture, okay? And what I want to do is I want to, I want to, I want you to notice just the invitation that God is giving to all of us. Wherever you're at, 
whether you you're whether you're on that scale and you're like it's a, probably about a one Marco, whether you're red hot for Jesus, I, I want to just I want you to hear this invitation that the prophet Isaiah through through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit through God's Spirit. Listen to this this invitation that Isaiah gives us. He says this, God says this through Isaiah, come on, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? And, and you and your labor on what does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest affair. You would delight in the richest affair. There is invitation to participate, what? On the goodness of God, on the righteousness of God. And so many of us, if we're not careful, we try to establish righteousness in our own power, in our own strength. It's called, the, it's called works righteousness. We're trying to work for righteousness. It doesn't feel like we are. We don't think that we are, but we actually are. So we do all these good things. Why? Because we want to try to prove ourselves to God somehow. And we're trying to establish righteousness on our own. A lot of people are trying to establish a righteous cause apart from Christ. And it simply doesn't work when you remove God from the equation. The invitation is for, for all people, for all of us, for Christians this morning, of course, you and the church, to want to come, to come, to, to feast on the things of God. Jesus himself says this, John 6.35, Jesus says this, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Man, that's good news. So we're going to close here in just a few moments. And James, if you're around, you can come out now. And um, I just want to end the message by asking you a few questions here. Are you hungry for righteousness, right? Or are you trying to ask all the wrong questions? What can we do to sort of toe the line between what is sin and what's not sin? Pastor Marco, how far can I get and it still be sexual purity? Or are you rather feasting on the things of God? Hungry for holiness. Hungry for his word. Hungry to, 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 to come. I love what David says. When can I meet with you again? When's church, Pastor Marco? We having a worship night soon? You guys having Wednesday night church? I want to be there. I'm hungry for it. Not. How long is service again? How many worship songs do you guys do? How long is Pastor Marco's service? Sermon? When can I meet with the living God again? When can I gather with brothers and sisters of Christ? When can we worship together? Maybe it's just us in the living room with acoustic guitar. Maybe it's just a small Bible study. When can we get together? When can we do this thing called Christian community? When can we have the righteousness of God? Well, I want more of it. Can we have more of it? I want more of it. Where, where can I get more of it? God, I want more of you. Because I want that hunger. And if I can be honest, I'm not always that hungry. I, well, <gasps> you're the pastor. No, I'm not. I'm not. I have to ask God to stir my heart's affections for him. Here's the thing about spiritual hunger, though. The more that you consume of God, the more hungrier you become. Right? When, when you're physically hungry, you eat and you're satisfied. It doesn't work like that with spiritual hunger. You have to eat first, and then you eat first, and then you're more spiritually hungry. Some people say, well, doesn't God just give me the desire? Eat first, and then you'll grow hungrier for God. So that means what? Sometimes it's just by sheer willpower. Come on, somebody. I'm being real right now. 
It's by sheer willpower. I'm opening up his word. I'm like, nothing sounds great to me. I've already read Luke. And then I'm starting to read. And by faith, I'm reading. By faith. And then, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my gosh. Like, I needed to hear that. I needed that word. And God begins to, to draw me closer, draw me closer. And then what happens? Then I'm like, well, what comes next? Well, what's after this psalm? Well, I want to read on. What happens to David? What happens in the story? What, what happens? You're, you're hungrier. You're becoming more hungry. So don't wait. Can I just give you permission right now, church? Don't wait for a feeling to pursue God. Just do it. Just do it. The more you feed upon the things of God, the hungrier you become. And today, if you're here and you have not, you don't have a relationship with God, I just want to invite you to that this morning. I want to invite you to a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who makes that possible. He is the one who pays the penalty of sin on your behalf. It's His blood that was shed. It's His righteousness that's imputed to you. It's given to all of us. Jesus is the one who makes a way where there's no way. And I want to invite you today just simply to say, I surrender, God. I want to, I want to be forgiven I want to know what it's like to be in good standing with you. I want to know what it's like to practice my righteousness outside of church, in community with other people. Man, I want that gift today. It is a gift that you receive through the grace of God, and it's by our faith. I simply want to invite you to that this morning. And for us to remember the words of Jesus, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. They will be satisfied. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you this morning. And I remember the words in Matthew 6.33. Seek his kingdom first and his righteousness. All these things will be given to us as well. God, you have made a priority. There is an order of events in your economy. And God, that order is you first and then everything else second. And so God, this morning we decide that we're going to pursue righteousness first. We're going to pursue the kingdom of God first. And God, we understand that we fall short so often. But by your grace, we get right back up and we continue to follow you. By your mercy, we, we, we just dust the dirt off of us and we get right back up and we continue to follow Jesus. And so this morning, God, Would you sharpen us? Would you sharpen our spiritual sensitivities that we might be sensitive to the things of God, that we might crave righteousness, that we might hunger for holiness, that we might be a people who long for God, who long for his holiness in our lives, who want the word of God lived out. God, we cannot do this on our own. We can't make ourselves hungry. So Spirit of God, fall afresh in us right now. Fall afresh in this place and stir up our heart's affections for you, God. There's no condemnation for any of us today who are feeling like we're dull, feeling like we're just, we're not seeking you at all. But God, there is an invitation. And the invitation is come, all who are thirsty. Come and buy milk. Come and feast on bread. Come, you who have no money. God, that's all of us today. We thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
church.